I'm Brian Scordato, and this is the Idea to Start a Podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. We accelerate ideas into real companies through the Tacklebox membership, and we think through startup strategy every Wednesday on the Idea to Start Up Podcast. You're here because you're thinking about an idea, or you're ready to launch something, or you already launched something and you're running full steam ahead. We're here to help with the counterintuitive stuff. On to it. One of the stranger things I've missed these past few years are elevator rides. It's a weird thing to miss, but I miss them, mostly because I think of them as these little social experiments. Will people make eye contact with me? Will they talk? If they do talk, what are they going to say? I'm back in our new offices on 57th and Lex. If you're nearby, come say hi. And I got in the elevator this morning and the guy immediately nodded and said hello. We had a 15 floor ride ahead of us and he jumped right in on the weather. What a day, spring finally decided to come, he said. I nodded, smiled, and returned, you betcha. A floor or two went by and I decided to pipe up again. I'm actually new to the office, I said. Been looking for some lunch spots, any recs? He looked at me, healthy or not so much. I smiled and said, whatever tasted best. We both had a little laugh at that. Who knew an elevator could be so much fun? He replied, then you definitely want to go to Dos Toros. Awesome burritos, and they've got an app you can order from and skip the line. The lines around here do get huge at lunch. I didn't mention that I'd had the founders of Dos Toros on the pod because I've found that people want to hear about your podcast just about as much as they want to hear about your thoughts on Bitcoin. I said I'd try it, and the doors opened at his floor. Same time tomorrow, he said as he left, elevator banter is the best. If aliens were watching and saw two humans meet for the first time, They'd assume weather and food, the two things we talked about when we could have talked about literally anything else in the world, were the two most important things to our species. And maybe they are. But why did we talk about those two things? And how can you orchestrate it so that people talk about your startup in those moments so that you grow? And how can you make sure people are going to talk about your startup even before you build it? Because I'll be honest with you, you don't want to build a startup that won't get serious word of mouth spread early. So how can you ensure that yours will? That is what today's pod is about. But before we get to all that, I've got another quick elevator story. I told you I love them. My first job out of college was in finance, as I've mentioned on the pod probably a few times. It was in a big financy building in the finance district in New York City. I'd gotten the job because a teammate of mine in college was a year older and worked there and had vouched for me. It was that kind of place. My friend is six foot eight and maybe the funniest and most outgoing person I have ever met. During the lunch hour, the elevators on our floor, the 35th, would be packed. We'd go to pick up lunch together every day and probably once a week, he'd bet me that he could say something in the elevator that would get everyone else to laugh. My personal favorite was when he walked into an elevator packed to the gills and faced the wrong way. So he was standing with his back against the elevator doors as they shut with everyone looking at him. After a beat, he boomed, I guess you're all wondering why I've called you here today. If you have a corporate job and are thinking about leaving to start a startup, I think you probably should, but you will miss the weird quirks of working at a bigger company. Anyway, today we're going to talk about how to make sure the thing you're building is going to grow through word of mouth, to make sure you don't start something that won't. There isn't a higher corollary to success than word of mouth. If your product gets it, you'll have enough time to iterate to a product that'll work. If it doesn't, you won't. Most people assume word of mouth is product or marketing driven. If you build an incredible product, people are going to talk about it. If you have amazing marketing, people will talk about that. Or they hope people will just randomly talk. Unfortunately, none of those things are going to happen. 
You don't create word of mouth as a startup. You make sure you build something where there's already word of mouth. Don't get people to talk about you. Build something people are already talking about. Let's talk about how to do that. After, a quick recommendation from me to you. This episode of Idea to Startup podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Build. That's B-Y-L-D-D dot com. They're a development agency that helps early stage startups build and launch scalable, revenue generating software businesses. Development from non-technical founders and teams without a tech person on them is the massive elephant in the room that just sits there judging you while you run all of your customer work and intent tests. And once you've validated your idea and you know that customers want what you've decided to build, you've got to figure out how to build it. That's where things get sticky. You probably don't have 100K to throw at a huge creative agency, and even if you did, for your first product, you probably shouldn't. You might roll the dice on Upwork, and it might work, but you'll need to project manage the whole thing. The cost will be a black box, and I cannot stress enough the might in that first sentence. For 10K and roughly a month of work, Build will get your validated product up and out. We've been burned by companies that promise us for years, but Build actually does what they say. They're focused on generating revenue, so they'll make sure that your first product does just that, and they'll keep you away from the feature creep that dooms most initial products. A number of our products at Tacklebox have worked with Build, and they have built great stuff. Startups look like a flight of stairs. You build, 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 then there's a step function and you have a whole new set of opportunities and potential, but only if you build properly to get to that first leap. Ayusha Build will help you build a product that gets you there. They keep costs low through a block structure, which is cool, and I'm sure he'll talk your ear off about it, but that matters way less than that they've already built great products on scope and on time for our founders and that we trust them. Head to build, that's B-Y-L-D-D dot com. A friend of mine pitched me a startup idea over the weekend. He did it during the commercials of a basketball game we were watching with a bunch of friends, and he actually stood in front of the screen to make sure he had my complete attention. Have you ever invested in wine, he said. Like buy an expensive bottle and then resell it a few years later, I asked. No, like invested in a fund that buys and sells wine for you. No, I replied, and I'd never thought of it. Well, he continued, spreading his arms and transitioning into a sort of car salesman-like pitch, what if I told you that wine outperforms most equities, that wine has yielded 13.6% annualized return over the last 15 years? That means you double your money roughly every six or seven years. And in 2020, when five of the nine core luxury asset classes had a negative return on investment, wine was up 13%, only behind Hermes handbags. Cool, I replied. I don't think that's what he was looking for. He continued. Well, I'm gonna start a company that makes it easy for people to invest in wine. The reason people don't currently invest in wine is because first, they don't know that wine is such a good investment, and second, because it's hard to invest in wine. If they could, they would. You should get on board. It is absolutely no fun dissecting someone's startup idea in front of a bunch of friends, so I didn't. I just said I'd be happy to grab a coffee and talk through it a little bit more and half jokingly told him that if he wanted to really dig in, I'd be happy to get hands on with him if he joined the Tacklebox membership. That too goes over about as well as a podcast or Bitcoin. Everyone else in the room gave a couple of brief words of encouragement and then we got back to the game. About 10 minutes later, another friend of mine watching basketball with us got a call from his wife. She was at home with their two-year-old and the baby wouldn't sleep. They talked through the game plan a bit, synced up on who had fed her what and when, and then hung up. He groaned. She literally will not sleep. We have tried everything and I am losing my mind. 
This triggered a big conversation within the group. How the heck do you get your two-year-old to sleep? There were people who currently had two-year-olds sharing tactics and products. There were people who had five-year-olds talking about what worked for them in the past. Discussion about diet led to discussion about screens, which led to discussions about noise, which led to alternative medicine, and I kid you not, baby meditation. Easily an hour went by, the game all but ignored, and the result was three of my friends whipping out their phones to make a collective $400 of Amazon purchases in the hopes of getting their kids to sleep at night. For the record, no one whipped out their wallet and threw 400 bucks at my friend pitching us to invest in wine. You've heard about the painkillers versus vitamins proxy as a measure of how important the problem you're solving is. The age-old adage is you want to make a painkiller and not a vitamin. If money is tight, people are still going to buy Advil to take when they have a headache, but they aren't going to buy vitamin C. But I think it's easy to kind of game this, and the difference between painkiller and vitamin isn't actually all that clear. My wine friend, for example, claimed he was solving the problem of people not making enough money from their investments. He can definitely tell himself that's a painkiller. What's more important than money? But when juxtaposed with the parents of a two-year-old that need their baby to sleep so that they can sleep and work and function as freaking humans, the wine investing startup starts to look a lot like fish oil. I've started thinking of the core problem you're solving less as a vitamin or a painkiller and more in a different context. I call it the complaining and advice scale. Do people actively complain about this problem and do people readily give advice about this problem? Further, does it feel good for people to give advice about this problem? Does it feel like they're letting people in on an important secret? If you've got a product and you're having trouble growing it and you think it's a good product and the few customers you have seem to like it, you've probably got a word of mouth problem. There's likely few or no scenarios where your potential customers complain about the specific problem you're solving. Or there isn't value associated with customers who know about you actually recommending you. Or there isn't a good time for them to bring it up. Or it's maybe just really hard to explain. Another way to think of this is, how easy is it for someone to recommend what you're building? To easily recommend a product, that product needs two things. First, the promise of the product needs to be powerful. It's lame to recommend something that doesn't have a lofty promise. Iterative value isn't worth talking about. I'd even argue that the wine promise is kind of lame. You can invest in this other asset class and get 13.6% per year. Cool. The S&P's return over the past 10 years literally is exactly 13.6% per year. So the promise then is you can invest in wine instead of stocks, but you don't get to drink any of the wine, and the returns are identical to just investing broadly in the market. Kind of lame. Definitely not lofty. The baby sleep promise, on the other hand, that is a game changer. This product will help your kid fall asleep and stay asleep so that you can live your freaking life. Big time promise. The second characteristic of a product that's easy to recommend is specificity. It's hard to recommend something that doesn't lead to specific value. People complain a lot about their job or their boss, but this is a really hard complaint to build a product for because there's so much nuance in the complaint itself. There isn't one likely cause, and more importantly, there isn't a specific outcome that everyone who has that complaint wants. Baby sleeping is hyper-focused and specific. Your baby doesn't sleep, we'll help them sleep. Killer pitch, either from you or through someone recommending you. The outcome is clear and the product, quote, working is easy to visualize and aspire to. The job pitch in that scenario isn't. 
Lots of people come to Tacklebox with products around things like career coaching. The promise of finding a job you love or finding a job you deserve is incredibly hard to recommend. That's why it's been so hard to grow. Specificity can really help. A general career coach who helps you find your dream job isn't going to get recommended because it's hard to recommend. A career coach that only helps with salary negotiation will. The recommender knows exactly when to recommend it and the value that it'll provide. The advice side works. Oh, you just got a new job? Congrats. I have someone that'll help you negotiate your salary and make 15% more than you would have without her. The complaint side works as well. Someone gets a new job and they say, I got a new job and I'm excited, but the salary is a bit low. Then the recommender says, well, I've got the coach for you. And most importantly, that conversation, the I got a new job and I'm excited, but the salary is a bit low chat is already happening, whether or not you build your salary negotiation coaching platform. Latching onto conversations, whether you call them complaints specifically or just people talking about problems that they have is really critical. People love giving value. If you arm people with something that helps solve a painful problem that they can recommend, they will. And then you'll grow. Back to my wine friend, because I don't want to just bury him publicly on a podcast. His idea absolutely is not something I'd ever complain about or give advice on or want. But that doesn't mean that conversation isn't happening somewhere. Maybe there are groups of people that love wine, that have wine dinners and have a specific perspective on the potential value of a specific region or vintage of wine. And they all sit around saying, man, when everyone else tastes this like we do, the value of these bottles is going to pop. And maybe they don't have access to buy the bottles and hold them, or maybe they don't have enough money to invest across all the vintages or vineyards or whatever else. Maybe they've got something that they actually complain about regularly. Then you let them invest. And yeah, you'd have to get a lot more specific in your promise because that lofty outcome to them isn't going to be about the return. It's not going to be we get 13.6% annualized return during a bull market. It's going to be way more specific. They'll certainly benefit financially from the wine that they've identified, but the job to be done is reinforcing their expertise or their ability to predict trends. The sweetener is the money. Or maybe the specificity is that the investing is restricted and only 25 people can own stock in a certain vineyard or collection. Then the value is scarcity. You're one of the few, the chosen, the twist on Seth's classic, people like me invest in wines like this. There are some things in life that cannot be taught. You simply have to experience them. I can't teach you how hard it will be for you to get customers without word of mouth. You'll have to experience it for yourself, although your business won't be around so long, so thankfully you'll only have to experience it briefly. Conversely, I cannot teach you the joy of the machine working, of people recommending your product to friends who have the problem you're solving. It's as close to magic as it gets for an entrepreneur. Every referral we get at Tacklebox feels better than just about anything else in the business. Someone trusted me to help someone else with their problem. Don't leave this up to chance. You can reverse engineer it. Before you start your business, think about the problem you're solving in this scenario, the exact moment your customer complains about it. Think about who's around. Think about what your customer says. Think about whether the people they're complaining to can or want to help. Think about what an amazing outcome would be for that customer, something that would be easy to recommend in the moment. The final step is the product. The hard part is making sure the conversation is happening before you start because you won't be able to create it out of thin air. 
and people won't talk about you just because you exist. If you've got a product now, complete the role play. When your customer complains about the problem you're solving, what exactly does somebody nearby who knows about your product say to them? How easy was it for them to recommend you? Make sure you're solving a problem worth complaining about. Make sure your product creates an amazing outcome to that problem. And make sure it's dead simple for someone to recommend, which means focused. And please take out your headphones in the elevator. I wanna hear about the good food in the neighborhood. And of course, let's go Tar Heels this weekend. This was the Idea to Startup podcast brought to you by Tacklebox. If you've got a startup idea and you're hoping to quit your job to pursue it in the next six months, join the Tacklebox membership. We'll help you get your business on solid footing so you can transfer over to your idea as smoothly as possible. And we sure as heck won't let you solve a problem no one is complaining about. Head to gettacklebox.com slash no whisper ideas to get the podcast listeners discount. If you do, I'll see you next week.